Again, I'm Tom Atkinson. I am the discipleship pastor, and I am just excited at what God has for us this morning as we dig into His Word. So if you've got your Bible or your electronic device, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, we're going to explore God's Word for the next few minutes. And my prayer is this, that every time I have this opportunity, I want to allow God to speak to us through His Word. Okay? I, I pray constantly that God remove all the obstacles. That you know, I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know what distraction may be on your heart or something that you've brought. But I'm just asking God to just remove all obstacles to us hearing his voice. And as I pray that, I, I sincerely pray that, Lord, don't let me be an obstacle to them hearing your voice. And if you do, then remove me. So far, I have not fallen over dead as I preach. So I just want you to know that, you know, if something weird happens, <laughs> I got in his way. Okay, just know that. So uh, the, the title of the message this morning is The Calling. And uh, I, I believe that's the simple title. The more complex title that I would give it is, Does God Have Permission to Interrupt Your Life? See, uh, I grew up in the era where every time we would sit down at dinner, it seemed like the phone would ring, and every time the phone would ring, it seemed like it was just a, a phone solicitor trying to interrupt our evening. They had timed it down, saying that the best time to call is probably between like six or five and seven o'clock, because chances are they're home, they're eating dinner, and I just remember that phone ringing and interrupting what our plans were for the evening, and it was usually somebody wanting to clean my carpets. You know, I don't know if you ever got the, you know, phone solicitors saying, hey, can we clean your carpets, and you just hang up or just be annoyed or whatever. But, but here's what I believe. I believe that God wants to do something in your life. That God uh, wants you to join him in what he has going on. He does not want you to just sit on the sidelines. Okay? And watch. He wants you to be actively pursuing him and understand that he has a calling for you. God is not just calling you. He's already equipped you to take you farther than you'll ever believe. But you have to allow him to take total control of your life. So let me ask you the simple question. Does God have permission to interrupt your life? Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to interrupt your life. Now turn to your second choice and do it with enthusiasm. So... Are you ready to allow God's plans to interrupt your plans? No matter what your plans are. Are you willing and able to say, okay, God, you can interrupt my plans. You can get me totally off track on what I feel is important for your will. So here's what I want to try this morning. I want to try something. And, and um, this is just really for me. But if I say hello, I want you to say hi. Can we do that? So let's try it. Hello. Hi. Perfect. This way I know you're with me, that you're not just dozing off, and this way it's not on your neighbor to bump you, to keep you awake. So every now and then I'm just going to say hello. Hi. You're tracking. Good. Judges, chapter 6, starting in verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah. That's Ophrah, not Oprah. Make sure you get it right. That belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, and uh, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But God, Gideon replied, 
if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders and that, that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of the Midians. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But, but, but Lord, Gideon asked, how, how can I save Israel? My clan is, is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered him, I'll be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Now, just to give you some background, that in verse 1 through 10, what we see is that the Midianites, along with all the other eastern people, had oppressed Israel for seven years. And God shows up and, and lets Gideon know that he has a plan to use Gideon to help his people. And, and in verse 11, the Lord comes to Gideon and challenges him to lead Israel. And he simply calls him out by saying, Yo, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, Who are you talking to? You know, mighty warrior, that's certainly not even the picture that's drawn here for him because we see Gideon, he, he's, he's, he's taking care of the wheat. He's, he, you know, he's, he's threshing the wheat in a wine press. Now, to thresh wheat, you want to do it on the high part so that when you thresh the wheat, the bad stuff blows away and the good stuff falls. But here he is down underground in the wine press threshing wheat because he was afraid of, of the Midianites. And so he's, he's cowarding, he's, he's hiding from the people that are oppressing the land, and God shows up and says, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, man, you must have got this wrong. You, you must have got this wrong. And when I read this and I, and I look at how God just, just pours out his answer and his response and everything, there's four things that I just want us to grab a hold of this morning and, and, and th that'll help us understand this calling on our life. If you have a pulse... You have a calling. So, you know, y'all might want to check yourselves, okay? Uh, you know, just, if you have a pulse, you have a calling. And the first thing is this, is God is calling you. You know, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, is what he said to Gideon. You know, you have a calling, I have a calling, we all have a calling. Our callings may not be equal, but we each have a calling. And God has a way of speaking to our potential. He, he sees in us things others may not see or things even we ourselves have yet to see. But God sees them and is calling us. I, I remember as a young kid, I, I grew up in church, and you know, every time the doors were open, it seemed like we were there. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, special events. If the doors were open, we were there. We were drugged to church as children, and that's the environment I grew up in. And I remember one Sunday morning, they had Youth Sunday, which means during the Sunday school time, they were going to have a big Sunday school rally and take the Sunday school offering, and they wanted the youth to take the offering. And so I said, you know what, I, I, can, I can do that. I, I've got some mad basket skills. I know I can do this, you know. And so I volunteered to help take the offering. And what we would do is after we gather the offering, make our way to the back of the church, we would bring it forward, singing the doxology, 
and put it on the little table that was always out front. And then the pastor or whoever, the Sunday school director, would ask someone to pray over the offering. And, and my father was the Sunday school director at the time. And so we took the offering and we brought it forward. And my father looks at me and he says, Tom, will you ask the blessing on the offering? And I was standing there going, nope. <laughs> and we had this odd you know, look. When your, da your dad gives you that look, you just know. And he's giving me the look like, no, you're going to say the offering. And I remember giving the look back like, oh, no, I'm not. And we stood there in awkward silence for what seemed for me a very long time as we're like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And I didn't do it. And we had a very awkward conversation where we got, well, it was awkward for me, probably enjoyable for my father, as he said, look, I called you because I saw the potential in you. And I, I think what was going on in my heart was the idea that, you know, I'm not going to talk in front of people. I'm not going to pray in front of people. That's not who I am. Do you see the irony? No. I'm not going to do that. But maybe my earthly father saw something in me that I had yet to see in myself. And if my earthly father can see something in me that I've yet to see in myself, how much greater does my heavenly father see potential in me that I've yet to see in myself? Hello? Making sure you're still with me. So this leaves me wondering, you know, what potential do we hold that God has already spoken into our lives and said, look, I've called you to do this, or I've called you to do that, and we're going, you must have called the wrong person. Because I just don't see that. See, God knows all about us. He, he also knows what's best for us. And furthermore, he's given us our ability, and he wants to lead us into a place that he has for us. Our calling is active. Our calling is active. And if you look at the opposite of active, it's, it's fixed. It's unmoving. It's disinterested. It's idle. It's inactive. It's, it's dormant. It's quiet. And when I think of the calling of God, it's just it's none of those things. He hasn't called us to be quiet. He hasn't called us to be fixed or unmoving. He's saying, I've called you to live out what I've poured into you. And our, our calling is, it should be moving forward, and we should work every day at what God has equipped us and called us to be. Uh, this is true even if the circumstances around us don't feel like God is at work. Let, look at Gideon's response here in, in verse 13. He says, but sir, you know, pardon me, my Lord. Excuse me, Lord. Um, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of the Midians. And what Gideon's trying to, to say here is he's saying, hey, look, Lord, I, I want to see that happen. The, the, the faith of our forefather, I want to see that kind of stuff. And what he's trying to do is see God through the eyes of those that have come before him instead of seeing the God that is right before him. And, you know, I, I think we could all have this attitude where, you know, I believe that God is at work around us, but I'm just not sure if this is the right time. And, and a lot of us say, you know, 
this calling isn't what I see in, in God's word. I, I want the calling that they got. I want to go through what they got to have the response that they have. And I say, really? So you want to be in the lion's den like Daniel? Or thrown into the, the fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Or you want to be chased around by a, a, a crazy king who wants to kill you like David? Or even shipwrecked and snake-bitten like Paul? I think what we really want is the benefit of trusting God without actually going through anything that requires us to put our whole life into his hands. We want this neat, friendly God uh, where there's nothing bad in our lives instead of a struggle or a hardship. We want this silver spoon Savior that's all nice and neat. But maybe, just maybe, he's walking you through something in order to use you, in order to say, look, I'm preparing you for what is next. And if God is with us, then we sometimes say, if God is with us, then why do I have to walk through bad things? You know, Gideon is recalling the stories of, I remember God being someone who, on someone's side who seemed so much different. You know, remembering those stories and how he brought people out of Egypt and how, how wonderful that was. And I'm thinking, 40 years in the wilderness. And you're going to call that Wonderful but he was delivering his people. He was walking his people out. And sometimes our response is simply going, God, how can you say you're for me if I'm going through anything bad? I'm supposed to have it easy, Lord, right? You know, this calling stuff, this falling you, this selling out for you is supposed to be easy, right? I'm not supposed to face any hardships. If God is with me, then my life should be smooth sailing and Nowhere in Scripture do I see that. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God designed us for a calling. He prepared us in advance for our calling. And he's saying, I've got a calling for you. And if you have a pulse, you have a calling. Hello? Awesome. Second thing is this. God is sending you. And I love this. After Gideon has his little wine fest here where he's saying, but God, you know, I want that. The Lord turned to him and said in verse 14, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? Here we have the privilege uh, of seeing Gideon's commissioning into the service where God says, am I not sending you? God then presents Gideon with all the authority he will need for the task. And, and here we see the fearful and, and cynical man is hereby informed that God has indeed heard the people's cry. He's understanding what they're going through. And he says, you know what? I've chosen you to take care of this situation. And here's what I believe. That God hears our cries. And he hears the cries of his people. And, and he, he's calling you and I to help solve the problems. He's preparing you and I for what's next. Now, I loved high school. High school was some of the best years of my life. I didn't like going to class, but I loved high school. Okay, I'm just keeping it real. Kids, 
go to class, okay? My problem was I was told to find something I was good at and stick with it. And man, I could skip class like the best of them, okay? And I, and I tell you this story not to say, be an example of how Pastor Tom lived his high school years, but to see how God walked me through some stuff. Because of what I did in high school, I did not graduate high school on time. I remember sitting up in the stands and watching my high school class graduate, and I'm thinking, I loved high school up to this point. This is not fun. But I, I did not know the call of God on me. I didn't know what he was going to do in my life. And so you fast forward a couple years, and God says, okay, I've called you to ministry. And as I start you know, ministering in, in my first student ministry, he's like, I need to take you farther because I want you to lead people. I want you to go farther. And he calls me to seminary. And I'm going, wait a minute. In order to get to seminary, I have to get through my bachelor's degree. And I'm going, God, do you remember high school? High school was not the fondest memories where I had good friends, I had good experience, but the schooling part was not fun. I struggled in school. I had lots of, you know, things that just got in my way, lots of distractions, like not showing up to class is always a distraction to not getting the work done. And God's going, yes, but remember, I'm sending you. And so fast forward, I get involved in school, and I, I remember the first day of school, I'm almost in tears on my bed going, College is for someone else. Okay, God, if, if this is what you call me to, God, you're going to have to do this because I'm scared. Uh, this is not what I'm no, used to. And, and so I get into school and, you know, I, there was this one class that I had to get through that uh, I, I, probably many of you have gone to this class and beyond, but math... Uh, Okay, see, I can do my consumer math, I can do financial math, I can do most of the regular math and everything like that, but when it comes to alphabetical math, you're you tracking here, okay? When math starts involving letters and not numbers, then I start getting really confused. And sometimes I have to wonder why X can't solve its own problems. Okay? I mean, it's like, seriously, with all of us working together, you think X would have found itself by now. Okay? But here we are saying, okay, we've got to solve for X, and here's what God does. God had me marry a math major. <laughs> and I remember struggling one night with, with God, and I had eight questions of homework that I had to get through. And, and I remember her looking over my shoulder, and she looks at it, and she goes, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm going, no. Away with you. This does not make sense. X has issues. Okay? And I, I'm like wrestling with this. And she goes off to bed and I'm, I have these eight questions of math. And I'm just like, Lord, I know what you've called me to. <laughs> and I've been faithful and I've been serving in the ministry. And I know how much math is involved. Why this? I remember God moment here where he just said, you know what? Forget about the numbers. I've called you to help solve problems. And you're going to work with people. And people have problems. And I've called you to something greater than just solving X. I've called you to help solve people's problems. He says, I've called you. I'm going to help you make this happen. And when I heard that, and when it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, God, you've got this. It's like I was able to look at those eight problems and go, this is just helping people. 
And we did away with the numbers. We put people in place, and all of a sudden, the homework is coming, and we're moving on, and we're moving on. And, you know, I finished my bachelor's degree, and I got my master's degree, and I'm in dissertation for my doctorate degree right now. And I don't say that to say, ooh, look at Pastor Tom. I'm saying, God had called me, and I'm going farther than I ever thought I would. Because he had prepared in me something that I didn't see in myself yet, but that he knew all the time. See, when, when we mix our limited ability with God's unlimited power, the outcome is beyond what our minds can comprehend. The, the sending us is not about a place, it's about a person. God is saying, I'm calling you in order to use you where I want you. And sometimes we just need to start being used right where we are instead of worrying about over there. And a lot of times we say, I'll go there, Lord. When he said, but I've called you here. You know, for some of us, it's, it's what's right in front of us already. You know, we may be a stay-at-home mom. Your calling may be to those kids and helping raise those kids to be disciples of Christ. It may be in the workplace where you're called to take Christ into the workplace, or you may be an educator where you're called to take Christ into the classroom. Your calling is not equal to my calling, but we're all called. Hello? But then we want to wrestle with God. We want to say, God, you don't understand. And, and, and that's what we see in verse 15. He's saying, you know, uh, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And instead of, you know, we need to start thinking about what God can do in us and through us and around us instead of what we're not capable of. And until we're faithful and get a passion to be used by God where we are right now, we'll never be ready to go where he wants to take us in the future. See, I believe he's preparing for us right now where he wants to take us, but we've got to be faithful with what's in front of us right now. And instead of excuses, we need execution. We need to start living out what he's called us. Even if it's the first step, even if it's just, yeah, I'm going to take the first, I'm going to be faithful in 40 days of prayer. Because who, know who knows what God's going to do through that? Or I'm going to be faithful in my life journaling. I'm going to be faithful and being a part of a life group. We need to start with what's right in front of us. After Gideon throws another little, you know, wine fest where he's saying, I'm not that big and my clan's not that big and why are you calling me? I love the response that the Lord gives us. The third thing is this, that God will be with you. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. Uh, I will be with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is with you. It's amazing how much we think we got to do this on our own. How, how much we get scared when we think about what's in front of us, but we have God with us. Uh, my children, you know, ra raising children, and you get to this point where they go from crib to bed, and then, you know, but when they're in bed, it's like, how many lights can we leave on? 
you know, we start slowly turning lights off and hopefully one day to get to where they're in a dark room getting a full night's sleep and every time you like leave the room and you just can time it down to where they're going, Dad, and you got to run back in and like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm scared. So here's what I taught my kids. Suck it up. No, I didn't teach them that. Um, <laughs> what I would get down, I have been compassionate. I have a heart. And I would get down, you know, at their level, and I'd pray with them. And eh, You're scared? Yeah. I said, well, I want you to know something. God is with you. You don't have to be afraid. God is with you. And I would teach them to say, in Christ, I have no fear. I say, you know what? If you have that moment where you're feeling scared, just remember, in Christ, I have no fear. So what do you need to say? In Christ, I have no fear. Okay, you got it? Yeah. I'd be walking out there. What do you got to say? In Christ, I have no fear. I said, I want you to know that because I may trip going down the stairs and I may break my neck. And I really didn't say that. Okay. But in Christ, I have no fear. Because what I want them to know, that no matter what they're facing, in Christ, they don't have to fear because God is with them. Check this out. Romans 8, 31, the last part that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Deuteronomy uh, 31.6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with us. And what we see here is the same formula of a call on the disciples that we see in Gideon in Matthew chapter 28. As Christ is preparing to ascend into heaven, he has the disciples there. And he says this in verse 19, he says, Therefore go, there's the calling, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I and with you always. To the, to the very end. God looks at Gideon and says, I'll be with you. God looks at the disciples and says, I am with you. Church, God is with us. No matter what we face, no matter what comes before us, God is is with us. And whatever he calls us to, he's going to be faithful to see completion. God isn't setting you up to fail. He's not saying, you know what, good luck with that. I hope that works out. He said, he's going, you know what, I know the plan I have for you. I created you for that. And you know what, it's going to work out. Because I'm with you. So, Gideon replies in verse 17, he says, If now I have found favor in your eyes, g- give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Uh, please, please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. I love this. A- and the Lord said, I will wait until you return. The fourth point is God is waiting for you to show up. Uh, God is he's waiting for you to show up. I will wait, he says, until you return. 
So, so Gideon's getting this whole party together where he wants to get his worship on, where he's saying, Lord, let me bring my gifts and worship. And he's like, okay, I want you to worship me. I'll be right here. I want you to be faithful with what I've called you. I'll be right I, I'm waiting. I'm right here. I'm waiting on you. And I wonder how many of us have these excuses. Okay, God, if, if this happens, I'll be there. Or God, let me go take care of this. I'll be there. And God's going, okay, I'm waiting. Will you go and do what you're called to do so that others may model what you're doing and they'll go and do what they're called to do? Can we stop deferring our destiny and allow God to work in our lives and through our lives? But, we, you know, we, we respond to God like, but God, I, I, I'm not ready. Really? Do you think God is caught off guard by how prepared or unprepared you are? Uh, the God who knows our every thought is going to be caught off guard when we say, but God, I'm, I'm not ready. He's not taken back going, oh, you're right. I didn't think about that. Instead, he's going, no, I've called you. I've prepared you. I put this heartbeat in you. Now I'm waiting on you. You know, God really doesn't need us to clarify him. We, we, God, I'm not sure I'm the right person, but I've called you, and now I'm waiting on you. God doesn't all of a sudden go, you know, oh, wait, wait, come to think of it. <laughs> You're right. Let me go ask somebody else. He said, no, I've called you, and now I'm waiting on you. And I don't know what it is you're called to. I don't know what it is, but will you take that next step? Will you be ready? And, you know, it, what, what are we waiting for, church? Hello? What are we waiting on? Seriously, if God is calling you, will you get over your fear and trust God? Will you get over your past and trust God? Will you get over feeling inadequate and trust God? Because God doesn't play favors. I believe that God wants to use each and every one of us, but we stand in his way. So here's the question. Does God have permission to interrupt your life.